All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Diet Riot podcast with Brooke and Alyssa Miller. Both Millers. <laughs> both dietitians. Both from the Midwest. Both moms. Both live in Denver. That's it. Is that That's it? That's all I've got. I know. I run out. But That's then when wrote. I'm at home, I'm like, wait, we have way more in common. I mean, we're basically both sisters. Both have sons. We're basically <laughs> sisters. We have already got the last name down. Uh, today's an awesome episode we're going to bring to you. We actually uh, collaborated with Tanya. And she is a podcast host on her podcast, The Fit and Vibrant You. So um, take a listen to her podcast or our podcast. And it was awesome. We were able to answer a few questions from some listeners, get to know each other a little bit more. And I would highly suggest you go over to her podcast and give her a listen to her other episodes too. They're pretty good. Um, But we hope you enjoy the episode, guys. Yeah, so we just talk about um, a few different questions that you guys wrote in and some of her listeners wrote in, and we just answer them coming from three different perspectives. It's a fun one. I'll tell you guys a little bit about her podcast and then get you into the good stuff. Um, So the purpose of the Fit and Vibrant You podcast are to offer tips, tools, motivation, and simple steps so that you can take action today to become a healthier, more confident, and energetic version of yourself. This show is about the real-life fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and inspiration so that you can end end dieting, reclaim your health, and love your body inside out. I think that's a really good little bio yeah, there we're gonna steal that yeah we uh we don't come off so polished yeah did she copyright that uh, <laughs> brooke is stealing her information yeah. uh anyways hope you guys are having a great day and we'll see you next week everybody we are going to do a little icebreaker so we've got a guest with us today and she's got us as a guest with her on her podcast this is gonna be fun it's it's like inception we're like like, we're like the guest within the guest within the guest a podcast within a podcast (laughs) yes so Um, we're going to introduce ourselves a little bit using a desert question desert island question that brooke came up with (laughs) if you were only allowed one netflix show for the rest of your life what would it be well on a desert island yeah, apparently you have a TV there, and that's all you get to do is watch TV. Yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. All right, Brick, what's your what's your? <sighs> Mine's a tie, but you know <laughs> no what? Ties. Okay, I think today it would be The Office. All right, if we ask Brooke today, yeah. it's The Office. Tomorrow, Friends. <laughs> you <laughs> made the question, would change. and you I can't know, even it's answer. Too it. hard. I know. Okay, go. <laughs> all right, Tanya, you want to go? Sure. So I'm also a huge Office fan, but I think I've watched all of them already. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, so she wants time to do better. a new one. So I, well, most people watch this one already, but I just started watching Glee. Oh, oh it's so good. Which is so good. And so politically incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> like, I bet. I not bet. even, and hilarious at the same time, but like, right. it would never same fly the in this, you know, in this decade, but right yeah it was good it's good i actually never watched glee what i know i know it came up on my youtube all the time to watch clips so i'd like watch the singing clips but i never watched the show um cory died in real life (laughs) or no he died in real life when i was watching it oh in real life no he like the actor cory monteith he died and the episode where he where he died in the show was the week of my wedding and so the night, like two nights before my wedding, I was at home just bawling my eyes out for like oh, hours on end with my mom. 
and she's like right before your wedding yeah. she's like, you need to like cheer up this is like right for your wedding and I was like he died oh my god Finn died yeah. oh my goodness so spoiler alert he died in real life like eight, seven years ago so you know so, if you don't know that by now Brooke's a spoiler yeah we have to know <laughs> about her so I, although I guess if he died in real life, you can't really avoid yeah, that. Yeah, in real life. Yeah. Um, anyways, so my, if I had to choose, if I had to choose, and there's several that I would, it would be Friends. I just, I'm like through and through Friends girl forever. I fall asleep to it. I rewatch it from the very beginning and wait until I'm 10 episodes or 10 seasons in and then I start it over again. That's why uh, I, I picked it. The Office because I've seen Friends at yeah. least 10 times per episode. The oh, Office, sure. I'm like through episodes through every episode like three or four times so I just like <laughs> haven't like been able to quote it yet friends I can quote so yes absolutely. so if you're stranded on a desert <laughs> island office would last you a little bit longer it would last longer yes <laughs> a little bit yeah I would just be friends I, it makes me feel safe when I'm sick I watch it just my real it's like having comfort food but in tv form it's my comfort yeah. tv <laughs> yes so all right um yeah so today we kind of talked about doing like a Q&A right yeah, so we both have asked our tribe and our audience about a couple of questions that they have. And this is kind of a fun way to do it where you get to just share ideas and help those people out there and answer some questions and also get new perspectives. So I'm excited yeah, for that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So important to do. All right, start us off, Tanya. All right. Tanya. So the first Sorry. question I got was and this is like we talked, it's a big one. So this might be you know, a podcast episode all in itself, all by itself, but I've stopped Weight Watchers. I've gained 10 pounds. So this person in particular has done Weight Watchers for years mm. and, you know, has been the lifetime member, has reached her goal weight, has not paid for it and everything. And she decided to stop and she's gained 10 pounds, feels totally out of control and mm. is not sure what to do next. And I love yeah. this topic because I know you guys just recently had a, an episode on Weight Watchers. We did. Yeah, a big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked a lot about Weight Watchers in depth and kind of what their mentality is and, you know, how it affects people when they're on Weight Watchers. And we talked specifically actually about this issue of, of people being chronic Weight Watchers, you know, like always on the program and what happens when you get off. And unfortunately, this is very typical of people who get on a program, whether it be Weight Watchers or not, and then decide to take a step back. It's very common to, um, if your intention was weight loss, to then not only gain that weight back, but then typically end up heavier than when you started. Um, And that's what the research does show. It's 90 to 95% of people who start a diet end up heavier than when they started the diet. Or back at their current, like back at their weight beforehand yeah. or more. Yeah. yeah. Within two years of ending the diet is what the research shows. So you are not alone. <laughs> Whoever yeah. asked that. Yeah. I mean, the research shows that you're better off never going on Weight Watchers or any other diet to lose weight. Um, because once you go on a diet or if you're a chronic dieter, that the longer you're a chronic dieter, I mean, really the worse off you are right away. I mean, you can definitely fix the damage that you've done to your body, but um, at some point you have to stop. Like you're not going to be 95 and still on Weight Watchers. So at some point, like you're going to have to stop. And so your body is going to freak out. If you've been restricting your body for years and all of a sudden you give your body free reign to do whatever you want, um, you're going to feel out of control mentally. Your body is not going to know what to do. Um, and so I think the first step for anybody who is feeling this way is to 
just give yourself um, permission to eat whatever you want and let the weight do whatever you want. And then after you get all of that out of your system, um, try to just focus on foods that make you feel good, foods that give you energy. So trying to increase fruits and vegetables, trying to increase water, trying to move in a way that you enjoy, not going to the gym because you feel like you have to go to the gym. Um, and once you kind of get that in sync and you start to heal your relationship with food, then the weight is just going to do whatever it needs to do. So for everybody, it's different. So I can't tell you that you're going to automatically lose that 10 pounds. You may lose that. You may lose 20 pounds. You may gain 20 pounds. Like we don't know what's going to happen because each body is different. But I think the first step is giving your, yourself permission to eat whatever you want and then um, start to really focus in on what feels good for you because everybody's so different. Yeah, I think those are really, really important tips. And, and I always think of it kind of like a pendulum. Like we often swing from one side. And if you've been swinging at that one side for so long and all of a sudden you just release that, it's going to, before it comes back to the center, it's going to mm. go the other way. And, sure. you know, I think just that perspective of knowing that, like you said, you're not alone and that it's perfectly normal. And it's actually the body just like trying to do its best for you to keep you alive takes off some of that judgment and that drama that we layer on to this feeling like I'm totally out of control and what's wrong with me. And then once we get so caught up in our own heads, it becomes really hard to even, you know, slow down, listen to our bodies or to look at things more objectively because we're so dramatic about, you know, being out of control when really being out of control just means that, you know, maybe you ate foods that you didn't eat before. Mm -hmm. Like there's really not much more to it than that. And the, and I think also, you know, what you said there too, but like, like the, it's a, it's a process and you're learning now for the first time how, or maybe we knew this when we were kids or you know, quite young, but now you're actually learning how to do things without a diet. And it's kind of like jumping off a bridge and you're bungee jumping and all you want to do is hold on to something mm -hmm. and hold on to you right away. And it's kind of scary and mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kind of get through that. Yeah. We talked about this on our episode specifically about Weight Watchers as part of it is you're teaching um, people how to follow your specific rules of whether it's Weight Watchers or not. It could be any program. Um, you're telling them to calorie count, but maybe it's not calorie counting. Maybe it's using points or a different type of system. And then when they are in the real world off of their program, they're stuck. They don't know how to do it themselves. And Brooke and I are really big into the intuitive eating and listening to your body and not counting calories. But it's really scary. Like you said, it's like bungee jumping where all of a sudden you're free falling and you have no safety net to catch you. You, you don't know how to listen to your body anymore, especially when people are on diets for years, which is super common. This is not, you know, this is not this person's only issue that everyone has done this. You know, this is very common in our culture where people are relying on diets for so long and then they turn around and, and they don't know how to handle it themselves. So we're big proponents of learning how to fish, you know, instead of relying on someone else to feed you that fish. So um, where you're at now, because we can't change the past, right? So they're coming out from this diet plan and they've gained 10 pounds. They don't know what to do. So I think the first step is learning um, really how to tune into your body and relearn those cues of hunger and fullness and what you enjoy to eat because I'm sure over the last 10 years, you've probably spent a lot of time eating foods you don't actually like to eat mm -hmm. and you've been restricting yourself of foods you enjoy. So like Brooke said, at this point, we typically recommend this 
this period of recovery coming out of um, diets of freedom, food freedom. Every food is on your to try list to go back to it and really tune into yourself and learn, is this a food I actually enjoy? Because sometimes what diet culture claims as theirs, like vegetables or salads or something like that, you may actually like, but you were resenting eating it because someone was forcing you to eat it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's a silly mentality, but that's how humans work, right? When someone tells us not to do something, we inherently want to do it. Wet paint, don't touch. What do we do? Is it still wet? And then I touch it, you know? <laughs> and so um, going back to the beginning and saying, I'm only going to listen to me. I don't care about the nutrition. I don't care what this person told me or how many points it is or how many calories it is. Do I like it? Do I enjoy this food? How does it taste to me? Do I enjoy it? Um, does it keep me satisfied? And then move on from there with ev seriously every food that you can think of that you might like, try it and relearn that. And like Brooke said, sometimes people in this recovery stage gain weight. Sometimes people lose weight. And really the focus is to not focus on the weight. Focus on repairing that relationship with food and relearning how to trust your own body because I promise you it's in there. Your body is screaming for you to listen to it and you just haven't been listening. You've turned the volume all the way down. So we want to start turning that volume back up, pay attention to different cues. Um, and really, we want to make sure that you're nourishing your body and eating enough because a lot of times during diets, you're not even getting an adequate amount of food. And so your body starts, I mean, really the research shows the reason for that weight gain is because you've restricted it for so long. And then you've given it this plentiful, which is um, overwhelming. <laughs> and then your body says, well, while I have plenty, I might as well stock up because a famine is coming because you've shown your body over the last 10 years that a famine is coming. So every time you start a new diet, your body learns next time I need to gain more weight so that I can prepare and, and de have defense against this next famine. So that's why you end up at a higher weight next time, right? That's how our body science works. So you need to start repairing that relationship of trust between you and your body that you're not going to starve it again. You're not going to go on another diet and um, really just learning which foods you like and then learning how to incorporate them in a healthy way. So that would be my first step, not to focus on the weight, focus on what foods you like and then go from there. And then eventually there's a lot of steps and principles and intuitive eating, but eventually there is a, a place and a time for gentle nutrition and learning which foods work well for you but it's so individualized and I highly recommend you work with a dietitian um, or a doctor or a healthcare practitioner to get you back on the right track nutritionally to make sure you're nourishing your body well. I think one thing they said there was really powerful. And again, it's about releasing the judgment that we have from our, from ourselves that we failed and we're, you know, why can't we do this and all this kind of drama that we have is that, it is our body's natural tendency to keep us alive. Like this is like, right. Our bodies are doing the very best just to, yeah, to keep us alive. And only now in the last, you know, couple of decades, really how we had so much plentiful food and we have evolved in times where, yeah, like when we don't have food, we are storing up and we are hardwired for survival. This is our body's, you know, way that we survive. Right. I think I love what you said there. And I want to just add a couple more things is that the way that you really start to tune into your body is to really slow down. And I think mm -hmm. that's such an important thing that you're always, because we often we rush through life, we rush and we're doing this. And, you know, when you're eating food, when you're just overall in life, just taking that, those, that time to actually question yourself and to slow down. I think another big part is that 
the dieting thoughts are still going to come up. Right. And just because you decided that you're going to quit Weight Watchers and start listening to your body, there's like this, you know, intuitive eating is the food police. <laughs> like those thoughts, <laughs> they're still going to come up and they're going to tell you that you can't do it on your own. They're going to tell you that you messed up. They're going to tell you and recognize that the thoughts, like just expect that they're going to come. Right. And they're there to keep you safe as well. They're there to try to do, they're doing their best, um, but they're yep. no longer serving you. And they're just words and they're just sentences. And you don't have to believe them. You don't have to attach yourself to them. But I think going through the process, just knowing that it's going to, it's not like you can just put the intention in and then all of a sudden your mindset's going to change. It doesn't. It takes a lot of time and intention to change those thoughts. And yeah. everyone's different, but this whole process can take a long time. Absolutely. And okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke and I have talked, Mm -hmm. we've been on our intuitive journey a similar amount of time, but I'm probably coming up on five years here, you know, I mean, and it's a continual thing. Like you said, I like, um, it's a slow down process and then you're never done, right? The the point of intuitive eating or the point of listening to your body is to um, have this be lifelong. This is the last thing you're ever going to need in your life. You're not going to have to listen to another diet, read that new study that came out that is, you know, creating a lot of fear around food for you. Um, it's relearning and coming back to that basics of paying attention to your body and letting go of things that don't serve you. Um, I really love that you said that. Uh, and that's something that you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. You know, all of us, no matter how long you've been on your journey of trying to listen to your body and trust yourself, something creeps in always. And we have to kind of cut it back and, and put it back in its place, um, and take what, what serves us and leave behind what doesn't. So I love that. Yeah. That's a that's a big question. It is a big um, question. <laughs> we have a question that is a little bit shorter, probably. Um, it's one of our listeners wanted to know what the main differences were between fresh, frozen, and canned foods. So do you want to go first or? Ooh, that's a good one. I feel like this a lot of people like, ask this. So it's like a dietitian question. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is like I 30 years. <laughs> yeah, she, I think she's, she's definitely studying school. to be yeah. a dietitian. Yeah. Yep, she's studying to be a dietitian. So absolutely. I think this is a good one because um, I'm a fan of all three. You know, I think all three have their place personally in someone's life. Like canned food is super convenient. I use canned beans. I used canned corn. <laughs> you know, it, it makes it easier in a lot of um, real life scenarios. Like I forgot to soak my beans again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> canned can really come in um, clutch there. Chili. I made your chili last night. Uh, yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. We're just switching soup recipes over here. Yeah. I just made Brooke's recipe the other day. So this is what happens when you live, breathe, and podcast together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think the major differences is going to be the harvesting time and then how it's packed and processed. So when you look at fresh food sitting on, um, like sitting in your produce section, and you grab like an apple or something like that, or carrots or peas or corn or something you might find in a can, um, the difference between those versus frozen and then versus canned is going to be the age of that piece of vegetable or fruit or produce or whatnot, um, how long it's been sitting. So we were talking about this before was um, the frozen is going to be frozen at its peak harvest time being thrown. So it really does preserve a lot of the nutrients, which is awesome of that fruit and vegetable. Because even when it's fresh in your um, store, it may have already been on the truck for a week or two, you know, it might have been picked by the farmer a month ago. So at least with frozen, you know that it was frozen at peak freshness typically and um, actually preserves the nutrients quite well. Um, I, I think most of it preserves the flavor as well. Sometimes if you're serving it by itself, you might notice a little bit of texture change or 
fiber breakdown um, because it is altering those cell walls. Um, so it might be a little bit less fibrous, but probably pretty close. And then the canned, as I think most of us know, they do tend to add something to can it in, whether that be water or juice or something like that, and then usually add quite a bit of salt to keep it preserved and tasting good when it's canned, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say all of that. And I think just any way that you can get produce in, fruits or vegetables is just the best way. Like whatever you can, <laughs> right. however you can get it on the plate for your family is the way to go. So yes, like there might be certain foods that you like fresh and then there might be certain foods like you're going to make smoothies often, then buy frozen berries because they're going to taste better in smoothies. Um, but if you like fresh berries with your breakfast, then buy fresh berries or buy both or buy fresh. And if they start getting like, oh, they're a few days old, I'm going to freeze them. Then they do that freeze all them. the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just whatever is the most convenient for you, because yes, like the antioxidants are going to be higher with frozen, but if it's not as convenient for you, then don't, you know, get whatever you're going to eat. So that you're not wasting money. Yeah, I like that. It's like, just get it in. <laughs> just get it in. How are you getting it in? Yeah. I think that's the one thing I was going to add, and just to really echo that, is sometimes, especially if you follow a lot of like health people or influencers, there's all this like kind of a hierarchy of like, oh, like, or, or morality around the food that we eat. Mm -hmm, and definitely. It's like, okay, buy like, you know, organic and this and that. And really, it's all like, you're right. Like take off the judgment and do what you can. Yes. And Especially as a mom. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Survival like, mode. Survival mode. Like I'm a big fan of green beans. Yes. And I love taking, going to, well, I'm in Canada, so superstore and buying the green beans and you cut the package and you throw them in the steamer and you steam like the whole thing. And it takes like, I mean, the steamer has to work, but the entire prep takes like 30 seconds. It's awesome. Right. Amazing. And then it's great. And then fresh beans, you got like chop off the edges and that's why I never buy them because it takes so much and They longer. go bad. Oh my gosh. The last three times <laughs> I bought green beans, they went bad. I bought them and literally like two days later, they're bad. So I was uh, so pissed. See, and that I do throw, I try to like do almost a daily inventory of my fruit, especially my produce to see if I should throw it in the freezer because I hate food waste. It's I like know. bane of my existence. But we all have it, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good point, too, when it comes to just, like, fresh frozen or can. Like, quite often we freeze our own stuff, too. Right. And so, like, you know, whether it's your berries or your spinach or whatever, like, I freeze spinach all the time mm -hmm. for smoothies or soups or whatever, and it's great because just like the beans, the spinach for whatever gets kind of slimy. Yeah, right there at the end. Too long, mm -hmm. So it's good to have that. I love that. And I just love the, just taking out the judgment of all of it and just doing what you can and doing the best yes. you can because everyone's doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. I think too, just to touch on, um, and I think we kind of already touched on it, but the financial piece too, like doing what you can financially, like mm -hmm. if, you know, and I love that you said that the hierarchy of produce, because that totally exists. That'd be an interesting post to put together because there's like the organic, natural, you know, highest of the high from your local farmer from down the street or whatever, all the way down to like, people think that canned conventional or something might be the worst. But like, first of all, you're looking at the cost. 
Second of all, the cost is influenced by if it's in season or not versus getting those fruits and vegetables year round. You might only be able to do that if it's frozen or canned or something. So actually you wanna look for seasonal vegetables. You wanna, of course, local would be great or organic would be great, but sometimes that's not doable and sometimes that's not doable because of the cost. So like Brooke said, don't take the cost, don't, don't sit in that judgment or that morality of food and say, well, if I can't buy organic, I shouldn't buy it at all. It's $10, so I can't afford it, so I'm not gonna buy it at all. No, it's okay to get conventional. It's okay to um, get canned. It's okay to, or vice versa, get fresh if that's the best price. And sometimes it is. <laughs> so I think that um, that's a really big component for people is the cost. So it is. I did a blog cents. post a while ago about how to save money on groceries. And I think my first tip was not to buy cauliflower because at that oh. point, <laughs> uh, cauliflower is one of those things. Like sometimes it's you know four ninety nine yes. ahead. Sometimes it's three ninety nine. And so or it's by weight and you have no idea how much oh, it weighs. Oh, weight's the like, worst because it's always more than you think it's going to be. Yeah, just right. buy frozen. I feel like it's cheaper frozen. Yeah, maybe probably. probably. Rice, cauliflower, Trader Joe's. Yeah, and frozen cauliflower yeah. is good in smoothies, I heard. So I have not yet Ooh. tried that, but I heard it's Like good. raw? Or do they roast it? I think so. I think it's people have frozen cauliflower and smoothies. I know I have not yet. Right. It's supposed to make it creamy and delicious and you can't really taste it, but I have not yet tried it. So yeah. I love cauliflower. I mean, it makes me gassy. So. <laughs> we talked about this on a lot. You like, I looked at you like I knew that would make it makes me so sick. feel. Yeah. <laughs> I like the taste. Brooke and I are real in tune with each other's GI habits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Alyssa and I are two feeding dietitians. And so we spend a lot of time um, on the phone talking about bowel movements. And so we apologize. It's like, we come off a little Your listeners are like, about, whoa. These girls are talking about poop. And I did a and webinar guess. today on IBS and they literally posted a poop chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like six different types of poop. And I was like, this is my Was job. it animated or real It photos? was animated. Oh, that's nice awesome. of them to do. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, this is, yeah, this Dietitians. is my job. I do <laughs> feel like I've seen before someone post something that says, dietitians, also known as getting their degree in poop. Yeah, <laughs> we're so pretty funny. much gastroenterologists. So anyways, okay. All right. So I think that's good. We pretty much covered that oh, yeah, question. Right? So, yeah. All right. Do you want to do your next question? All right. This is again, okay, but well, you know, let's, let's just do it. This is another big one. I, I bring you the heavy questions today. So I got I some know. good ones. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be worth t- touching on because I know we're um, very much aligned in our perspectives on this, but this person said I've lost a lot of weight through dieting. And I know in particular, it was like a pretty strict regimented diet plan. Mm-hmm. My weight loss has now stopped and I want to lose some more weight. So this person in particular has wants to lose whether five to 10 pounds. How can I keep that going? And the other question then I'm going to kind of put, bring this in for myself is when do we tell that we're at maintenance versus you're kind of done your, or you want to slowly lose weight. Right. And kind I know of- you guys can start first. Cause I know like, yeah, I also, well, I, I'll say I'm gonna let you start first. I'm just gonna start first anyway. <laughs> so, you do it. <laughs> I always like to encourage the clients that I work with that weight loss or weight gain or weight maintenance is the natural consequence of taking care of your health. Mm-hmm. And it's like I used to be a pistol shooter, and I love shooting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love. So, yeah, I was really good at shooting. And you never, I never looked at the target. I kind of knew like, but you only focus on like your breath. You focus on your stance, how you're, you're, uh, how you're squeezing the trigger. So you're focusing on like more of the action items and not necessarily what's happening on the other end. 
And I find the same when it comes with, I mean, a lot of people, I run a health and wellness studio, a personal training studio. So people, and as dietitians, I'm going to guess that you have a lot of people who are like, I want to lose weight. Like, what do I do? Like 98% of the time. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of people come to us too, because they want to lose weight, which is a total normal, legitimate desire to have. Absolutely. And I really do believe that the body, like bodies are going to come in all shapes and sizes. And when you start to take care of your health, for a lot of people, weight loss is one of the natural consequences because the reason we, you, reason you want to lose the weight is because you weren't listening to your body. You're, you know, coping with emotions, using food, you were restricting and then, you know, doing the on again, off again. Um, so there's lots of things that go on to that. And I think every person's journey is so individual and it's kind of hard to like just answer a blanket statement on a podcast, of course, but really focus on taking care of your body and becoming healthy and then asking yourself, one of my favorite questions is how would life be different when you've lost those 10 pounds? Yeah. It's like, well, so important. Yeah. And generally it's things like, I have more confidence or Mm -hmm. I feel better in my body or I feel accomplished or I feel like I did it. And then the next question is, if that's what you want, then how can we work on that right now? Regardless of the weight. Right. Yeah. Totally. You can build confidence in anybody. There's people at, in body sizes that are completely different and have so much confidence. And then there's people in smaller bodies than them and have zero confidence. So it's like, you can truly have confidence at any body size. And a lot of times when you talk to people who have gone through either major weight loss surgeries or um, restrictive diets, they'll be the first ones to tell you it hasn't changed, you know, a lot of their um, issues that they thought it would, you know, I don't perceive myself as skinny. I don't think, you know, I'm healthy. I don't feel healthy. I don't, you know, I don't have as much energy as I was promised. A lot of those things don't actually come true. So I, I love that analogy of the pistol shooting is like, don't focus on the target. Don't look at your weight. And let it be a symptom of how you're living your life, you know, and, and that's not to say that someone living in a larger body isn't working on their health. And I think, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's what our culture has told us is, oh, if you're not constantly trying to lose weight, then you're lazy. Or if you're in a larger body, then you're clearly not healthy. And that is absolutely not true. Brooke and I both strongly believe that you can be healthy at any size and that we're all made to be unique and different and carry our weight differently um, along with a thousand other personality traits that we're all different on. Um, so I think that's important. And I, I wanted to touch on the question, the part about the maintenance. How do I know that I'm at a place of maintenance? You know, and I know, I think they said in their question, right, they wanted to continue losing. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You didn't write it down. <laughs> um, but yeah. So when you know you're at that stage of maintenance is when you can take your eye off the ball and um, take your eye off your weight and still maintain. So it's, it should be effortless in the way that if you're, um, like you said, kind of focusing on the other parts of your life, the healthy habits, the focusing on, I want to get better sleep. I want to move freely and feel good about the exercise I'm doing and doing something I love. I want to be able to run after my kids and pick them up and not be out of breath. I want to be able to, you know, um, I don't know, go out on the town with my husband and eat freely and not worry about what it's going to do to me tomorrow and not have that fear. 
Um, when you can live in a state of complete freedom around food thoughts and weight thoughts and you know concerns and fears about gaining or losing, that's where you're in a state of maintenance. And, and whatever weight you are at that point is where your body's natural set point is. And I also want to say um, that it's completely normal. And in fact, I would encourage it and it should change throughout your life cycle, depending on where you're at in your life, very common and should be adjusting um, accordingly. So whether you're, you know, going through puberty or you're in your college years, or maybe you're pregnant or postpartum, or you're going through menopause, um, those sorts of things will have an effect on your weight, even weekly or monthly, wherever. And I'm specifically talking to women because that's our audience base, but women during your cycle, your weight will change. And that is normal because it's hormonal. So it's silly of us to, I think, step on a scale every morning and expect our weight to be the same when things like hydration and where we're at at our cycle and our hormones are playing such an important role and we should let them play that role instead of trying to control them. So I think that's kind of important with the maintenance piece is you're not stressed about it, you're not worried about it, and you're making choices because of what you want and what you're running towards and not running away from. Yeah, so... I have a lot of questions that I would want to give back to that person who wrote it. <laughs> yes. So your goal weight, who decided that for you? Totally. How did you come up with that number? Like how, because right. it's just like numbers on the scale to me are just so absurd because did you just read in a magazine that this model is X amount of pounds and now you want to get there? Like, did you weigh that when you were 17 and now you want to go back before, like, or before you hit puberty? Like yeah, how where many did people you... tell us they want to be there? I'm bigger than I was in high school. Yeah, you, you should, should be. be. <laughs> so like, where did you come up with this arbitrary number? So that's the first question. Um, who decided that? And when is enough enough? Because I can guarantee you if they hit that goal weight, they are going to be so addicted to the endorphins of losing weight and the compliments that that won't be good enough. Mm -hmm. And you can tell, like, they could tell you any number that they want to get to. And if you could magically, like, wave your magic wand and get them to that weight, I guarantee you they're not going to be happy. They're still going to want to lose weight. They're still going to want to, um, they're still not going to say, I don't feel confident enough. I don't feel skinny enough. I don't feel good enough. When that's not true, like, they are good enough. And when we start putting people's worth into their weight, like, that's when we run into issues because it doesn't matter how much you weigh. It doesn't matter what the scale says, like you are enough. And it's a mental aspect. Like we need to start letting women know that like their mental health needs to come first and you need to like learn that you are good enough. And, um, right now, like, it sounds like this person who wrote in, like they're letting, um, their weight control them. They're letting food control them. Like they are a slave to food which so many people are. So like, you're not alone. Um, but there's so many pieces to this question. And I think we need to first, like, let that person know that the weight cannot control them anymore. And we need to focus on mental health and what healthy habits can we do that are going to in turn, like end up being effortless, like drinking more water right. at some point, like it will become a habit and you will, it will become effortless. Just like maybe going to one, doing some sort of workout, like hiking with your kids, that's something you enjoy. It's going to be effortless because you're going to want to do it. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really hard question because yeah. there's so many components, but I think we all touched on an important part of it. So. Right. I, I think just also what you said there about being an arbitrary number is so powerful because we often set these goals for ourselves and we do it like, I mean, same thing in business too. You saw you want to get to a certain number or whatever, like, and, and but then you're like, <laughs> 
and often we just pull them like pull them out of the air yes what does it mean then we feel like we're a slave to that number and you know i I love what you uh, said there too Elsa, about just you know you're in maintenance when you can naturally keep that going and i think that's Mm going to be challenging for people who have a set goal weight or who have been addicted to losing weight because often that maintenance weight is not going to be your goal, like your smallest size. Mm-hmm. Like this is the size where you could be happy and healthy and just maintain it. And I think when you start to come to terms with that, with that also expect that there might be a bit of a grieving process. Yeah, if you have these like dreams and aspirations and you have these ideas that you might be a certain body, I mean, it's so much better to do the work and to start to just appreciate and respect and to love yourself as you are, but just recognize that that, that is a process and it takes mm-hmm. some time to really just be okay with that. And it's okay. Yeah. I think that, you know, you really have to weigh the pros and cons here. And I, I'm a firm believer that intuitive eating and listening to your body and that set goal weight will come out on top, but looking at the actual damage that dieting does to your life, to your mental health, but also your so Brooke and I've talked about this, like your social habits. I can't go out to dinner for my birthday because I can't skip, you know, I can't, or I have to skip breakfast and um, do this and do that to get to my goal weight, or I can't go out for that party because I can't control the food that I'm served, or you show up to Thanksgiving with a platter of vegetables because you're so afraid of what's going to be there, and all you eat are the vegetables. You know, a lot of these tips that we, we've seen in magazines and even sometimes written by dietitians on how to control the food around you, do you really want to live in a state of control and be your goal weight that you have to fight for daily and you know, scratch your way to it and to stay there for the rest of your life and literally throw up a fight every time the need for hunger comes up or every time you wake up and you have to go through another day of five to six times a day fighting the urge to eat or fighting the urge for what you really want. Do you really want to do that to yourself mentally and emotionally and physically to you, to your relationship with yourself and to others? Because it does affect other people, including your children, as we all know, as moms, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they see you going through that strife. Or would you prefer to be, let's say, just an arbitrary number of 10 pounds heavier, but feel peaceful and not fear um, the platter that's coming around and not fear the holiday that's coming up and actually have peace, which actually lets our body then work for us and not against us. And oftentimes, even though, and I loved what you've kind of said about that pendulum swing um, before was we do see that pendulum swing Typically, I would say if people have been restricting for a long time to weight gain or overindulging and going eating past hunger or eating past fullness, but eventually it does level out. It really does. And people are so afraid of taking that leap of trusting their body with, well, if I could eat anything I want, I would have pizza and Cheetos and ice cream every day, all day. And it's like, yeah, you might for a while, but guess what gets pretty boring? Pizza and ice cream Mm -hmm. and Cheetos every day. You get bored of it. And your body will innately, I promise you, start craving foods that offer nourishment, not only for your body, like the healthy foods that we know are good for us, but also for your soul too. It's okay to indulge in those foods, you know, when you need it. But there's a difference between needing and wanting those foods and and not being able to have them so that you binge. So I don't know. I think that's kind of an expansion on what we've all said, but and a big important. question, a really big question. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. Anybody who's going through that, like getting out of diet culture, like it's such a journey and such a process and it's, it's like, it's not, not going to happen overnight. Right. 
Yeah, I loved what you said about the um, grieving process. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that because it it really does feel like grieving because you're grieving a life you thought you were going to be able to achieve. And like we've said several times, typically when people do achieve that goal weight, either it's not without strife daily or um, they're actually not as happy as they may perceive to be on the outside. So it's a grieving process, but honestly, you're grieving something that wasn't actually achievable, you know, typically. And it's not necessarily going to make you happy. Like I was probably smaller, you know, when I was like counting calories on my fitness pal, Mm -hmm. I'm so much happier now. Like I can tell you that like, I don't care if I've gained 10 pounds in the last 10 years, like I'm happier now in my body with postpartum with stretch marks than I was then. And so it's just like how you perceive things. And I never want to tout, you know, intuitive eating as a way to lose weight. But I think it is important to mention that sometimes um, because of the cycle you're in and dieting and restricting and then binging, sometimes you are a higher weight um, while you're dieting than if you were to let go of all that control and actually listen to your body, your body set point might be lower than what it is after you binge and, and gain weight. I had that experience myself, um, not, you know, overall, my weight fluctuates like anyone else through two pregnancies and two kids and whatnot. But um, I've definitely had that experience of once I actually tuned into my body and listened, I realized I was eating two portions of something or um, a second dinner late at night because I was staying up late and it, it actually didn't make me feel good. Or Brooke and I talk about this a lot when I was breastfeeding my son. I was ravenously hungry all the time. And so I got in the habit of grabbing handfuls and handfuls of food. And then when I stopped nursing him, I was still in this habit of eating beyond fullness. So when I actually learned, hey, I feel really uncomfortable. I'm waking up bloating, bloated. I can't fall asleep because I have GI upset. (laughs) Um, I actually pulled back my portion sizes, not because of diet culture, not because someone was telling me to, but because I was listening to my body and actually helped me um, lose some weight that I, that my body didn't need. So I think that's important to touch on too. I, I don't say intuitive eating is a way to lose weight. And I think we've been pretty clear about this, but I just want to, you know, hit at home that take your eye off the weight and focus on your healthy habits and listen to your body and, and trust that your body knows what it needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like weight so. gain, weight loss, is all a symptom of a bigger picture and like a root cause. So yeah, like you said, with the target, I think that's such a good analogy. Um, I think, do you agree we have time for one more question or you Let's think we do should it. Let's okay. do it. All right. Drink some coffee guys. Yeah. This is a long one. Give the people what they want. Um, our last question that we got um, is a really good one. This is, um, came to us cause they know we focus on intuitive eating. We have, how do you intuitively eat when you have a chronic condition like diabetes? And that is an excellent, excellent question. This is like, yeah, we should have a coffee break now. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just start a new episode because this could go the whole time because yeah, it's a big one. I think, I think we can touch on basics at least because yeah, everything's such a journey. But um, <laughs> did you want to go first? Well, I was going to say just, it, I mean, it's going to vary depending on where you are in your journey. Sure. And which condition? Yeah. Which, yeah, which, exactly. Well, yeah. Well, well that, that part, and also just where you are, like if you are just starting your, your uh, journey into intuitive eating or whether you've done it, like kind of been like this for a while and have been in tune with your body. But I think the biggest thing here is to, I mean, part of intuitive eating is also like the, the nurturer or like, just like that, I can't remember, or the food ally or the diet or whatever the actual term is of just like you said there about 
eating late at night and not feeling <laughs> like so good yeah. and you can't sleep and everything <laughs> like that. Sometimes it's not about restricting for, you know, like for diet culture purposes or for weight loss, weight loss purposes, but we actually know that it's for your better health right. that you need to listen to your body and follow these guidelines. And I think that there is very much like when you start to have that kind of external, um, you, you are going to have some external guidelines as, as to what to eat or to how much to eat or whatever it is for your specific condition. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it's because you want to be healthy and for your health is going to take out any of that sort of extra layer that we can add on when we're trying to change your diet for other reasons. Yeah. I think what you said still applies, right? You're not, you're not looking at that target. You're not looking at your weight, you know, and this is something that you're not focused on the weight. You're doing it for other reasons. Um, like preserving your kidney function, you know, or balancing those blood sugars. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes I would, I would say, and I don't have a chronic condition, so I won't speak for everybody, but I would assume that when you're in a state like diabetes um, and you have that condition and you eat, you know, um, a ton of carbohydrates in one sitting and then skip meals, you probably feel pretty poor. Typically, I would assume, I don't have it, I don't know, but I would assume that you probably feel that crash and burn, you feel that kind of spike, you're jittery maybe, um, and then you crash and are exhausted or something along those lines. So I do think intuitive eating plays a, plays a part in that, kind of what you're saying is you're not only following these guidelines given to you hopefully by a dietitian um, or at least a doctor um, for your health, but also I would hope that you start to realize that you, you are feeling better, that your body's actually performing better, um, responding well to what you're doing according to your dietary needs. And Brooke and I have said this a lot of times, and I always worry that people take us out of context when we say we're anti-diet dietitians. Um, we're not anti-medically needed diet, <laughs> dietary advice. We're anti-diet for the sake of vanity or for the sake of weight loss or because someone told you you're unhealthy because of your BMI or something along those lines. But in these cases of chronic conditions, I think it's very important that you listen to your doctor or dietitian about what's needed for your body and then tune into those, um, those positives that come with changing your diet because those positives in the way that you feel when you're controlling your blood sugars or when, you know, those sorts of things, those sorts of outcomes, pay attention to those so that that keeps you going and reminds you, when you have a choice to binge on something high in carbohydrate for a diabetic, um, you can look forward past that binge and say, okay, how am I actually going to feel? How is this going to affect my body internally? Um, and is this really going to be better for me in the long run? And I think that's really important to see beyond the food that's sitting right in front of you. And I think people with chronic conditions actually can do that. Um, sometimes a little bit more than people who don't have those kind of issues, you know? Yeah. I think it's absolutely easier when you have a chronic condition to follow like a diet like that, because like I have celiac when I eat gluten, (laughs) I feel like death. I mean, I want to die. Um, so for me avoiding it is so easy because I know the repercussions. If you have a peanut allergy and you eat a peanut and go into anaphylactic shock and you have to give yourself an EpiPen, you like, (laughs) you know, that that's not worth it. Like we like peanut butter, but it's not worth it. Yeah. If you have a peanut allergy, stay away. So like if you have a food allergy or intolerance and your symptoms are so awful, it's very easy to stay away from those foods. Mm -hmm. Um, now when it comes to like diabetes, 
I think that the advice I would give to a diabetic would be the same advice I would give to almost anyone is when you eat a carbohydrate, try to pair it with a protein or a fat to keep your blood sugar balanced. Because when your blood sugar is balanced, you are going to feel better. Mm-hmm. And that's for everyone. So whether you, whether you have diabetes or not. So if you're going to eat a huge serving of carbohydrates, just add in a fat, add in a protein with it to help keep your blood sugar balanced. Um, and I'm just going to touch on diabetes because that's what the question was kind of geared towards. But, um, you know, if you have diabetes and you have to give yourself extra insulin or like you're checking your blood sugar all the time, I mean, all of those things are just extra work for a person. And so if you can kind of avoid those extra steps, avoid those extra medications by controlling it with your diet, I mean, I think that there's something to say about that. If you can avoid medications and control with diet and lifestyle changes, then I think that's a great thing to do, but you're not going to be perfect. Um, but again, like, yeah, if you're in renal failure um, and you have a dietitian who's checking your labs and telling you what to eat, like you should probably listen to that advice because if your sodium or potassium is like way out of whack, I mean, there's some detrimental health things that can happen. So, right. And you may not be able to feel those, you know, especially mm-hmm. like in renal failure, or liver failure or something, you may not feel those repercussions immediately, but it is, you know, preserving that function of that organ. And so that's, you're looking at your longevity there. So there's some bigger goals there that you need to keep your eye on. So, yeah, I think to add, like, also sometimes you might do things like not necessarily for chronic conditions, but you you might do elimination diet to decide whether it's a food that's not, you know, sitting well with you. Yeah. And there is a place for therapeutic diets because it's absolutely important and looking at it that way. And you're absolutely right. Like if you're a celiac, you're not going <laughs> to, like, there's no way you're going to have a, <laughs> a fluffy Portuguese bun. Cause it's going <laughs> to feel like crap. Mm-mm, not yeah, worth it. To have that. And then the other thing, just to echo what you said there about thinking more, like more forward thinking, because sometimes we are very focused on what's, you know, what we want at the moment, mm-hmm. but starting to think about, and this goes from everybody, how you want to feel an hour, you know, beyond our meal, two hours, 24 hours. And like one of my, one of the clients I'm working with, she doesn't love avocados yet, uh-huh. but she's been starting to have it in her breakfast with some eggs. And she's like, I just love the energy that I have. Right. And so sometimes it's like, you know, not every meal is going to be this like amazing like, I can't wait to eat this. Like sometimes we just eat to get on with life, but also understanding that the impact that the food has on you, just like you said uh, about, you know, eating the handful of whatever <laughs> before bedtime after, uh-huh. you know, because it was a habit, you know, in the moment you might want it, but then if you kind of go like forward thinking a little bit, you actually don't want it as much or cause it's not going to make you feel good. Right. Yeah. And that goes for people, you know, without chronic conditions. I love that example of the avocado. It's like, that's, that's what we preach during intuitive eating is try all the foods, even foods you think you don't like you, you think you do like, and relearn how it affects your body, because there's more to consider than just what do I like? What do I want right now? There's, you know, more to consider what's on hand. What do you have available? What's affordable? Um, What makes your body feel good? What, what makes you feel not so good or makes you crash? And that's okay. Sometimes we still make those choices, even if we feel poorly afterwards. But if you really have a day where you have to focus on work, then you'll have those tools in your tool belt to make a decision to make you last the whole day or whatnot. So I think, I think that's really important, whether or not you have a chronic condition, to get good at looking at that long-term effect that that food's going to have on you. And that's why we became dietitians, right? We believe in the power of food. We believe 
that it can help us um, on our health journey and, and make us feel good. And um, we may not make those decisions all the time and that's okay. It's, it's relieving you of that guilt and that um, feeling of you have to, or you should because diet culture tells you you should, or because the person over there is staring at you um, <laughs> when you order that food or whatnot. But yeah, and I think that goes for chronic conditions or not. So yeah, we did pretty good on that question. And yeah, adequate awesome. amount of time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Those are those are big questions. So yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Thanks for coming up with it. It was an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thank you to all of our listeners for sending in questions. We really appreciate it. Um, it gives us good content. We don't have to come up with our own. We appreciate it. (laughs) I love it too, because the whole reason, well, you guys and myself put on this podcast is not for me. Like, right. Me, me now at seven o'clock at night speaking to microphone. It's it's not, it's not just for me. (laughs) Uh Although I get to skip bedtime for my kids and that's a little bit for me. (laughs) I know. I know. I was like, good luck. Good luck. Bye. Yeah. Awesome. No, my son's out there playing video. We're actually going to have dinner now. He's playing video games, but he's a bit older. All right. Yeah. Um, How old is he? 10. Oh yeah. That's awesome. You know what my husband's doing right now? Playing video games. Because our son's in bed. Those boys, they never change. I hope my son's in bed. We're about to find out. So... (laughs) Well, yeah. Thanks so much. It was awesome meeting you and chatting with you. And I love what you said at the beginning of the podcast to bring in the different perspectives. And I think we all complement each other, but come at it from different ways. And I think that's really cool. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little different format than we normally do, but if you do like the Q&A, feel free to send us more questions and we can collaborate with another dietitian or another like therapist or mental health professional. Yeah, pretty much anyone still looking for a dentist. We still do want a dentist. We have a lot of questions for you. So if you have a dentist, send them our way, please. Yeah. So let us know what other questions you've got. Um, Maybe tag another dietitian that you want us to collaborate with. This was awesome experience to get to know Tanya a little more and um, her food philosophy. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back with a more traditional podcast next week uh, on Tuesday. So thanks for tuning in. Email us at hello at dietrietpodcast.com. Our Instagram is hello. No, why do you keep doing that? Instagram is at diet.com riot.podcast. All right. Brooke's in charge of that from now on. Apparently. <laughs> um, oh, we also wanted to say we've got an awesome giveaway going on right now. Um, it's up until we hit 100 ratings on iTunes. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and giving us a rating, preferably five stars. Brooke told me not to tell you that, but yeah, I'm I don't think anyways. we can legally tell you that. So well, if this sue is, me. Is, no, don't. don't. We have no money. <laughs> sue me directly. Leave Brooke off. Of <laughs> yeah, it. don't sue me. Um, so leave us a rating and then so you'll get one entry if you rate us. You'll get an additional entry if you do a written review and tell us how amazing we are. Can I tell them that? No, no, okay. I don't think you can tell them that. I'm sued. Just give us like constructive criticism. No, just tell us how amazing we no, are. No. We need vanity here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you'll also get an additional entry if you like screen share or you know do the Instagram thing of sharing about our podcast to either your story or to a feed. You'll get an additional entry too. And with that giveaway, tell them what they get, Brooke. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You get a car. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, you not, get a car. I'm not Oprah. Okay, that's what they're going to sue us for. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not Oprah. Um, so a realistic <laughs> gift. Um, we are going to give away some healthy snacks from Fit Snack. And if you haven't first heard, yes. Awesome. And if you haven't heard about Fit Snack, go back to one of our episodes. We interview Rose from Fit Snack. So we are going to give away some Fit Snacks, whoop, whoop. and we are also going to give away Intuitive Eating and Health at Every Size and the books. 
Yes. Not like the We were discussing an Amazon gift card, so all you moms out there. Let us know in your comment if you'd like an Amazon gift card as part of that giveaway. (laughs) Yes. I feel like a game show host right now with this voice. (laughs) Where is this coming from? I don't know. Okay. It's time for bed. So enter. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's late. I'm trying to avoid bedtime. I'm just continue to drag it out anyways um so enter our giveaway share it with your friends get an extra entry make sure they enter the giveaway all the things for all the places and all the times all right thanks guys see you next week bye bye